Marketers in Motion podcast, powered by the West Michigan chapter of the American Marketing Association. Marketing is our passion, and as a chapter, we hope to inspire dialogue, fuel creativity, and create a community for marketers everywhere. We're online at amawestmichigan.org and active on social media, where you can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. The national hub for the American Marketing Association is ama.org, where you can also find a chapter near you. The Marketers in Motion podcast is on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and at amawestmichigan.org, where we encourage you not only to subscribe to our podcast, but review, ask questions, get involved, and engage with us. Let the inspiration and dialogue begin. Hello, I am your host, Josh Chinoviak, joined today by our co-host, Rebecca Dutcher, AMA president, elect, and podcast committee member, partially responsible for why we're sitting here today. Hello. <laughs> How are you doing? Tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do. Great. Uh, self-proclaimed marketing nerd, because um, I love marketing and all things about it. I've been involved in the AMA since about 2011, started volunteering, got involved in programming, moved up through the ranks. Um, have held the president's seat before. Uh, spent a couple years in Indiana and moved back recently, so jumped right back in as president-elect. Little cross, uh, what, Indiana, the crossroads of America, right? Isn't that what they say? Oh, yes, and it's a thing. <laughs> is it? Getting railroaded is a verb in the town we were in. <laughs> what does it mean to get railroaded? Oh, train, 15, 20 minutes. You oh. sit and wait. They stop. They just stop. Nice. <laughs> All right. Also joining us today, we've got Jessica Kaluski. She's the AMA VP of Communications. Jessica, how are you? Good. How about yourself? Doing good. Newly married, I must say, as well. Yes, that's right. To Ben, who is our VP of uh, College Relations. Yes, I, I brought him on. <laughs> so we can truly say that we're not only friends and colleagues, but now our AMA is truly family. Yes, it's a family now. It's <laughs> tell, <so> glorious. <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm a little bit newer to the professional field of marketing. I am currently a digital marketer at U.S. Signal. It's an information technology company locally here in Grand Rapids. It's been around for like about 20 years. And I dive into anything between email marketing, social media, uh, website, SEO, all the things. Excellent. Well, and I, I come from a radio background and did that for many years. And now communications director at Sandy Pines Recreational Community RV Resort and Campground just south of Grand Rapids. And uh, I kind of dabble in a little bit of everything. So I think we'll all have great perspective as we talk to Derek here about social media today. And our topic is the death of followers and engagement, social media's next era. Our guest is Derek DeVries, digital strategist at Lambert. He presented to a sold out crowd on this topic back at our December AMA lunch. Welcome, Derek. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's an honor to be here. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself. What makes you tick? What do you do at Lambert? What are you all about? Sure. So I've uh, been with Lambert for about six years and I've been with agencies and I've been in higher education. Um, and I work on a lot of social that makes up the bulk of what I do, but I'm kind of a jack of all trades in, in you know, uh, just general digital counsel. I can, I'm an, I know enough about web development to be dangerous in some areas and, um, and can just sort of general help, generally help with anything that plugs into a wall uh, is kind of, <laughs> kind of how I see it. So, uh, and I get to work on clients. Uh, we're gearing up for the North American International Auto Show right now. So that's kind of one of our big fun clients uh, that, that I get to work on. Uh, we also work with New Holland Brewing. 
Uh, we work with uh, Denali Moose Tracks Ice Cream um, and a bunch of other brands across you know a variety of sectors, which is why I love agency life. Do you get some of these uh, samples from these great companies when you do a good job for them? We do. Not any cars, uh, <laughs> but yeah, we get some cool swag and we get some cool products. And we get to try some uh, products before they hit the market, which uh, we just got to do with New Holland. I'm really excited about, but I can't talk about it. You can't tell us anything? No, nothing. Oh, I'm I love craft beer. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about social media. So in a nutshell, the entire social media landscape changing. Organic reach is dead, but now we have new and improved ways to reach our audience. So how have things changed and, and where do we start? Sure, sure. So one of the uh, things that I, I looked at when I tried to frame this out is what does the, the financial picture look like? Because that's sort of a, an unseen motivator that controls how social media ends up operating is who's actually making money running social media platforms. Because for a long time, it was very difficult to do. Um, and if you look at the financial performance, you know, a, a platform like Snapchat attracts a lot of young people, but they cannot make a dollar, you know, to save their lives. So you look at them, you look at Twitter, Twitter's struggling. Um, really, in terms of the finances and the economics, you have sort of two giants, uh, Facebook and, and Google, that occupy the largest space. Somebody during the program made a great point about Amazon, which has, uh, you know, gone from e-commerce to dipping its toe into a lot of social media, but also uh, you know, search engine type um, activities. And so they would be definitely a strong third player. Um, but you kind of, this, this diverse marketplace of different social media channels is kind of uh, eroded. You know, a lot of them have struggled to uh, become profitable, which was always the, the big challenge. And either their features have been usurped by Facebook or another platform, or they've been purchased outright. You know, uh, Facebook tried to purchase Snapchat and now they're probably regretting that they didn't sell like Instagram did, which is, you know, uh, helped contribute to Facebook's dominance. Um, and something that uh, has happened along with that is that uh, social media platforms have learned a lot from traditional pay-per-click marketing. And so in a lot of cases, they can carry on a lot of the uh, roles and tasks that you, you would have had to do yourself as a marketer. You would have had to, you know, when you're talking about building your funnel, you would have had to have done all of that on your own with your web properties and that kind of thing. But now they, you can offload a lot of that onto the social platforms, at least the most um, robust, which is usually, again, Facebook and Google. The others have, have struggled in part because they just don't offer the features or the um, quality experience for advertisers to reach the audiences they're trying to reach. Nobody has even remotely close to the kind of um, uh, you know depth of features and um, and reach that that a Google Ads does or that uh, Facebook does. So that's helped contribute and keep them up on the top. Um, and when you look at the sort of the larger social picture, one of the things that you know has has become apparent to a lot of people is organic reach has tanked, especially just in in 2018, around about January of 2018. Everybody, I mean, pretty much everybody saw a, a massive decrease. So for pages over 15,000. Uh, member, you know, uh, with an audience over 50,000, it's down about 2% organic reach. So 2% of your audience is seeing any given post that you, that you push. Um, some brands are able to get around that because they have a very avid fan base. Odds are, if you're listening to this podcast, you don't happen to have one of those, uh, which tends to be the case for most of us who have to actually work for a living. So um, yours is, yours might be higher. It might be five or 6%, but it's still far lower than the 15, 20 or more percent that you might have seen five years ago. 
Um, and so that has um, angered a lot of people, um, and rightly so. Uh, it's understandable. It, social media was always billed as the free place where you can you know, reach your audience at no cost. Um, but that's no longer the case. And so they've, you know, there's been a big push to steer people to purchasing. Now that Facebook has us, they, they and most of the other social platforms have realized that they are now traditional brokers of, a, of an audience, just like outdoor advertising or newspapers or magazines or TV. And so they be, they're behaving that way, which means they can now charge a premium for their service. Don't forget radio. Josh is here. Absolutely. Oh, who could forget radio? Radio, honestly, radio has been one of the things, especially talk radio, that has uh, withstood a lot of the uh, declines in the traditional media. And I mean, the 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 rebirth and and genesis of podcasting has been as we you know as we here now we record right now, a podcast. Yeah. Uh, there's there's people there's a you know people want to hear other people and they want to hear stories and they want to hear insightful information and so. Um, if you ha if you happen to command that, you can command a premium for it. Well, and with the whole onslaught of of social media and Facebook, I mean, that had to be a plan that everybody's on, everybody's free. We're pushing this everywhere. That there's there's eventually a plan to monetize that. I mean, that that's no mistake, right? Absolutely, yeah. Every platform from the beginning. I can remember back in the the uh, early two thousands, there was a, a social network called College Club. And they got to that point, they amassed a really great audience and then the push to make money started to happen. And it eventually folded because they had to cut the, the staff for moderation so it was no longer well moderated. And these are the kind of things that you need to have uh, a sustainable social media platform is you need to have content moderated so people have a good experience and they have a good time connecting to other people. Um, Facebook, you kind of saw in April, they had a dip in their um, stock price because they were had to, as a result of the Cambridge Analytica scandal and a lot of the uh, spammy activity, but also some of the you know governments jockeying for uh, uh, positioning with dis disinformation campaigns, they've had to invest a ton more money in moderation and actual human beings because algorithms can't, as good as they are and as good as they keep getting, they can't filter all of this out. So they've had to spend a lot of money on that. And they're investors, you know, saw that and, and their price was downgraded accordingly, but they're still on an upward track. So the trend line continues to go up. And yeah, and and, and the declining organic reach, there's a lot to that also. I mean, honestly, the there's there's something to the to the case that yes, Facebook wants to make money, so they have a, a, a vested interest in pushing organic reach to zero, which is exactly what they've said they plan to do. Um, but also the amount of content that you could see. I mean, if you're Facebook, given all of the friends you have, the average person has, you know, three, 350 uh, friends on Facebook, the number of pages you might follow, the number of um, things that might, they might want to recommend to you, your feed would be whizzing by so fast you couldn't read it if this, the content was published to you in real time. So they've had to make some very uh, judicious choices about what you actually see. And that ultimately means that a lot of content doesn't make it in and it's, it's based on your activity and based on what Facebook knows about you and what Facebook knows about users like you, what actually makes it into your feed. Everything that you like, everything that you react to, everything that you post, your political views, the things you share, doesn't that all play into the algorithm of what it pushes your way? Absolutely. Yeah. So Facebook's algorithm um, is involved. I mean, we do, we ultimately don't know. It's similar to the, to the Google uh, algorithm for, you know, determining page rank. But it, it they they had, just think of all of the different signals that we send that they can pick up, um, you know whether we're on mobile or desktop, 
uh, whether we um, have integrated Facebook with any of the you know plethora of other social media tools or other tools that we may use. You know, if you're a subscriber to a Condé Nast publication, maybe you've got an integration there from you know the Wired uh, comment board, so they know about your activity there. They're watching your browsing. They watch what you do on Facebook. Do you hover over videos? Do you they the thing that I like to tell people to scare them is the things that you type out but then decide would be better not to post they know about that too so they Dang. they they know everything yeah <laughs> i mean and and they 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 are everything they do is is it pushes toward them gathering more information because it helps them produce better insights about you and ultimately make a better experience because they it's almost more frustrating to marketers than it is to users because their goal is to keep their audience and marketers they tolerate as long as we're willing to pay but even uh, even marketers, they'll they'll only tolerate up to a point because if your ad is too irrelevant or you're targeting too broad of an audience and people aren't interested in it, they won't serve it. Same same as Google. Google started uh, I think started doing that earlier with a quality you know quality score, and Facebook has I think the relevance score. But they don't want uh, you know even if you could have a pile of money, but they don't want you uh, to to turn off their audience and have and cause people to spend less time on Facebook, which is. The only new area for growth that they have is to get people to spend more time because pretty much, I mean, with what, over 2 billion users, Facebook, pretty much everybody that's going to be on Facebook is on Facebook unless they don't have a cell phone uh, or some other way to connect. And, and that gap is shrinking. So, yeah, that's the, that's the track we're on. The good thing is they, for your money, you have a really, a lot of great tools. Um, so you have access to, you know, some of the largest networks. You have access to some of the best targeting options. You have access to machine learning and, and artificial intelligence to help you make your decisions and also run some of the rote tasks like testing different ad variants and things like that. Um, and also it's still, I mean, as even though it's more expensive um, and uh, it costs money now to advertise, it's still, you know, you look at a, at a CPM, it's, it's on par with pretty much anything else, you know, in some cases more effective. Well, and what you would pay for more traditional forms of advertising. I mean, I worked in radio for years, and, and what you'd pay for a, a produced TV ad or a radio ad for production for all that, and then to, to put that out, I mean, you're putting a thousands and thousands of dollars in there, and this stuff is super affordable depending on, you know, how often you're trying to get it pushed out there. Absolutely, and you can turn it on and off at a dime at a, at a moment's notice, uh, which you can't do for a lot of traditional uh, media environments, and so that's also appealing to, uh, to people. And is a is a really sound benefit, especially as we're into a hyper um, timely society, because everyone has access to every instant piece of information. It it's more important to be more timely and more relevant. And so, and also, I mean, the one thing that the mass media can't offer that uh, digital can is individualized messaging. You know, uh, on radio or TV, you have one message that goes out to everybody within the you know broadcast radius or or the subscribership of cable, um, whereas you can send potentially a different message to you know very small segments of of that same audience uh, based on what you know about them, which gets to be more and more every day as they collect more uh, more information. Yeah, I would say that's why that boost this post button doesn't really work anymore. It may have when they first brought it out, but now as you mentioned that they want it to be really niched and. Um, for Facebook to really understand your targeting for it to work the best. Yeah, yeah. Could you maybe share a little bit more about creating an audience in Facebook ads versus boosting and and some of the cool tricks of the trade, really, in creating those lookalike audiences, custom audiences, and things like that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
the boost post button was it's easy and that's the lure that people fall into and, and i think um youtube offers a similar sort of thing where you can boost your video and um they've gotten better only within the last couple of months um at giving you access to more of the features that are inside of facebook ad uh, ad manager um so that's that's a good thing that that helps it but you have to first set up Facebook Ad Manager to make use of those features, which is why just running the boost button and just relying on Facebook to pick your audience isn't the best because as much as they know and as good as they are, they have a very specific focus in terms of their machine learning. They, they understand you know, something like e-commerce and pushing online sales very well, but not necessarily anything else more um, abstract than that. Um, so really, if you're doing um, Facebook any any digital marketing well you want to make sure that you're using any sort of tracking script that they have on your site on your digital properties so that you can um, open up all of the features that that avails uh, avails you of so for example um, tracking conversions it enables you to do something like that and understand what's happening after they see your content and arrive on your site it allows you to um, get access to more refined and better um, measures for tracking and structuring campaigns. So for example, if you've got the, pixel, the tracking pixel installed, you don't have to go by cost per click, you can go by cost per uh, landing page view. So make sure, making sure that somebody actually loaded the page and, and that they actually reached that destination. Because as, as well as technology tends to work, sometimes it doesn't and you can lose people. Um, you also then, the other benefit of having uh, the pixels running in the background is you can then build audiences from the people that have visited your site. Um, and this, you know, pretty much every social platform um, or and a lot of the ad platforms offer tracking, uh, some sort of tracking software. It's usually a simple little script that you run on, on you know, your site. It's typically global, so it's not like you have to, there's a, a lot of tedious uh, implementation unless you have some really specific goals and some really um, next level marketing stuff you want to do. Um, it's typically very easy to install and then you can start collecting that data and over time it becomes more and more valuable. Uh, with Facebook, for example, you can build an audience of the people that have visited your website in the last 180 days. That's the window that they allow. Um, and, and then you can build a lookalike audience from that. So Facebook will not only let you reach the people that have previously had, had been interested enough to visit your website, but also it will go find other people like those people. And the same thing goes for email audiences. So if you upload an email audience, they'll try to match as many as they can. But you can also build a lookalike audience from that email audience. You can also build lookalike audiences from the people that have engaged with your Facebook page or your Instagram profile. Um, all kinds of uh, really, you know, effective and interesting stuff is going on, and, and they keep, you know, developing and adding more every every day. That's why it's tough to do uh, presentations on things like this because invariably, if I don't wait up until the last minute to put them together, some big uh, announcement happens that I I make want to make sure that I touch on. So. I, I, I wonder about that because with so many varying levels of people using social media, I mean, you could be at a large corporation and that's your focus is social media. So you keep up with that. Um, some people that may not use it as much. Everything is changing every day, every time you go in and, you know, you went to do a setting yesterday and now it's not there and now it's here. I mean, what is the best way to keep up with everything as rapidly as it changes? It's really tough. And it's the, the best way to do it is to do it. The best way to keep up is to constantly be involved. And that's one of the reasons I like not just sort of sitting in a tower and uh, uh, casting down strategy, but I like actually implementing the strategy because there's a lot of, there's a huge gap between 
the idea you may have and then the where the rubber actually hits the road. And so it's good to have hands on that. So to the to the extent that you can, um, you know, being involved with actually doing it, even just practicing it, taking, you know, whatever it is, 20 bucks and just testing something out, just seeing how it works, running through the process. Um, you may also find, um, you know, some ideas or some benefits or some uh, it may help generate some ideas you didn't have before. There are, of course, uh, many experts out there who are really great at publishing um, information uh, and keeping up on all of this stuff. And um, the name will come to me uh, hopefully at the end of the program of uh, my favorite Facebook marketer. People generally tend to specialize because there's enough detail involved to um, actually focus full time on that. And that, and you know, that that does that is the benefit of hiring. Um, an agency or hiring a marketing professional to do this kind of work is that they have time to keep up on all of these things. And um, in this era where optimization is really the best play, the best opportunity to maximize your budget, you know, uh, improve your reach or improve your conversions, those little little bits of optimization are where it makes a difference. The tired versus wired. So you were talking about. Uh, you know, now conversions are king, not engagement, and also some things that you should old trends to let go of and new things to grasp onto. So talk a little more about that. Yeah. So in the, this sort of new environment we're in, if you're thinking about uh, your social media properties, does it make sense to promote follower growth and to grow an audience on Facebook? Mm, if only 2% of those people are going to see any given thing you post, maybe not. You know, there, there could still be some uh, like a vanity sort of uh, a value to that, to people seeing that you have a dominant position. But you want to you start asking yourself these questions. Is it better to spend our money there or is it maybe better to build up our email list or drive more traffic to our website so that we can start tracking those folks and, and finding out what they need and where they go and, and using that information to better inform um, our marketing campaigns? Um, you know, does it make sense to, to worry about getting on that, to be staying on that treadmill of, making a monthly content calendar? Or does it make more sense to free ourselves from that and focus on our ad campaigns? Because we don't have to worry about frequency anymore. If only 2% of people are going to see anything. I mean, you can, you know, hustle and shuffle and shuck and jive and get that up to maybe 3% or 4% or 5% if you're really good. But is that worth the time? Or is it, be is it time better spent having you uh, strategize about what you want to be doing? And Putting that um, that you know menial effort into uh, being done, handled by Facebook by ads, you know whether it's on Facebook or another platform. Uh, same thing with cadence or frequency. Does it make sense to try to be posting a certain number of posts every week? Um, maybe not, you know. And it'll depend on on every individual brand. There's probably some sort of a balance. But you, given this new environment where organic reach is is virtually gone, you have to start reevaluating uh, what is the opportunity cost of me. Uh, spending my time doing this as opposed to doing something else. Um, and, you know, engagement is great. We've been, you know, for a long time, it was one of the best metrics we had for evaluating whether or not something registered with an audience or resonated with an audience. But now we have better measures. So the it's incumbent on us to do better. We can focus on conversions or landing page views or any of a number of other uh, objectives that are probably closer to um, you know, the bottom line of actually selling products or services than engagements are. And, and increasingly, Facebook has found uh, with some of their own research that people that engage with things aren't necessarily your customers. and They're not necessarily the best people to target. They cost more to reach, 4.2% on average. 
And they also, um, they're about 10% of the Facebook audience. Most people, and if you think about your own browsing habits on social media, don't click on things. You know, you see something, it registered with you. Uh, maybe there was an, an, an insight or some sort of a, uh, an enticement that you went through and purchased something. But otherwise, you might have approved of something and liked it and it, re it was relevant, but you didn't like it or comment on it or share it. You know, you just saw it and moved on. And, and, and so limiting yourself to just focusing on those people and running engagement campaigns um, can, can limit you from being able to see uh, performance, better performance by doing other things. Well, I think one thing that we keep talking about with a lot of this is, you know, everybody can do social media, but there are some pretty advanced features. I mean, you kind of need to know what you're doing. Yeah, I, I tried to set up a webinar for um, some school administrators and they wanted uh, me to talk about advertising. And I was like, fam, this is like another like six hour uh, session, like module, just to get them into talking about this stuff. It, it is, um, it's uh very technical in some cases, um, you know, the, the sort of trope that interns can do social media because they use social media doesn't really work because they only see one side of social media. They don't see the back end, which is much more robust than, than the front end. Um, and so you really need to have all of your team on board. You really need to have uh, experts because the payoff is so much bigger. I mean, you can, you can literally set up campaigns where you know, you can put in your average lifetime customer value. You can put in your, you know, cost per uh, per unit sold and see where your opportunities to spend more money and make more money are. You know, the, the, the tools will all get you there. Um, uh, and it's something you don't have to build yourself anymore. You can use it uh, in as an adjunct or as the entire apparatus for your um, for your marketing campaign. Um, and so that, you know, it it, it means that. Um, your creative is more important. You need to have everybody on board and you need to produce more creative and more original creative. Think about all the stuff that you look at on social media. You can tell when something is stock photo-ish. If it's stocky, you know, you can tell oh, if yeah. something looks stock <laughs> and you know that it's an ad, right? And part of the, um, the way to do social media or any advertising well is to not appear like an ad, to appear like something uh, engaging and authentic. And that's what, we, that's what brands strive for is authenticity which only comes from producing your own creative and, and having uh, a mindset and a perspective about your creative and really, you know, investing in it. So that's one of the things that uh, I wanted to, the, the, the AMA group to take away was, you know, this is a, a, creatives are more important than they've ever been, but also your own properties are more important than they've ever been. You know, uh, the right, the sort of decline of organic reach means that email marketing, that web development, that, uh, any of your owned properties, uh, things like podcasting, things like, um, uh, you know, uh, newsletters or, or things like that. Those are all more important because they're a way to help. Um, they're a supplemental way to reach your audience so that you don't have to pay Facebook's premium, especially when it gets expensive around the holidays to every time you want to speak to your audience. But also it's an incredibly valuable tool to inform the targeting for your other campaigns. So, um, you know, going back into some of these sort of traditional, now that we're like, the, the, the digital world is, is old enough to have like traditional digital uh, tools like websites and email marketing. Uh, they're, they're, uh, more, they're more valuable now than they were, say, a few years ago. And I've, I've heard and read that many places as well, is that uh, just like you said, if something looks professional, if it looks highly produced, you know, people see it as an ad and they see it as more, especially on social media, an intrusion, you know, into their into their lives. So the more natural it can be, the better response that it gets. You also mentioned in um, the lunch 
about the vertical versus horizontal, you know, now that people are, are more on their phones. So would you recommend all your content be in the vertical format or are you still trying to strike a balance between things that work in both? Yeah, I think it's a balance. I think you, um, I think uh, horizontal or vertical can work depending on um, your goals. And this is where you need to, you know, be up on your game and know what your goals are, know what your plan is. Um, and that's, there's so many choices and so many decisions to make that the clearer you are on your vision of where you need to go, the easier it will be to make all these decisions. But it's probably a blend of some horizontal, some vertical, although the mobile first world that we live in with the vast majority of web traffic, traffic and social media traffic occurring on a mobile device that has skewed so that this uh, four by five uh, aspect ratio that you see in, in Instagram portrait images has become more dominant. And, and Facebook is even going to be adopting that as they've already moved to the one by one um, as a, as a um, legitimate um, dimension for a, a aspect ratio for Facebook ads. And they're also going to be moving toward that four by five that Instagram is doing. And it's, you know, it, it takes up more real estate on mobile and that's new. And I, this is, I'm someone who loves horizontal things. I love, uh, you know, letterbox uh, movies and, and films. So it, it strikes at my very core uh, that this has become the dominant thing, but it works. And, and Facebook has billions of user to, you know, uh, test studies to prove that it works, that it's more effective. So that, that's sort of the direction we're going. Um, Adam Bird actually brought up a, 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 a something that he's doing, which is trying to shoot for cross-platform, which is thinking, you know, having a vision for your creative that is how can we turn this asset into something that is versatile and, ha and can be used in multiple aspect ratios depending on where it may be used. So uh, it's just something to think about. It's one of those things that, as you're planning, you know, uh, as you're taking the opportunity to revise your creative, what will that be used for? Will it be? Will we need more video? Will we need, uh, you know, more still? What What does that mi you know mix look like? Um, and how can we use it? And uh, where are the platforms going to be that we're going to be using and that kind of thing? Then maybe that's where the intern comes in is helping you gather video, have, having you gather pictures, you know, content that you can use then strategically versus having them do all of the end pieces of it. I had one more question that I want to take you back to. That was a great follow-up question at the end of the lunch. Somebody did ask, what are the top three attributes of the perfect Facebook ad? And I thought you had a really great answer for that, if you can recall. What that yes, was. This, will be, this will be a, a pop quiz testing if I remember what I said. Um, so it, uh, it would be something where it would involve multiple versions of copy and image because it's free to test them. And why wouldn't you? Uh, you know, there's so much benefit. Amen. Yeah. And, uh, and honestly, you, we are our own worst. We are the worst judges of what the public wants. You may think that you have a great gut for this. You don't. I guarantee I've, I've had my gut defeated by uh, A-B testing many, many times. And I'm always flabbergasted and don't understand it. But if something works, it works. And you only need to know that it works, not why it works. Uh, so, you know, testing multiple images, testing multiple, um, multiple versions of the creative, uh, multiple versions of the copy. Um, it would be something where you would serve it across different placements, uh, where it would have an opportunity to show on, um, say, Facebook and Instagram and the, the Facebook ad network. And because we often forget that Facebook isn't just Facebook. Google isn't just Google. They have thousands uh, or tens of thousands of websites, blogs, other digital properties where their ads serve beyond just Facebook proper. Uh, so you want to leverage those placements whenever you can, because in some cases, 
you may reach somebody that's relevant um, at a lower cost on a different platform than it would take to reach them just on Facebook. So that's something to think about multiple placements. And probably the third thing would be have your um, conversion tracking and your pixel installed so that you're really maximizing what it is that you can do with the attention that you've earned from somebody so that you know what happens after they view the ad. Did they go somewhere? Did they take an action on your website? Um, and also, so now they're in your, your sort of sphere of influence and you can go back to them or use them to find other people like them. The pixel, how does, how does that work? Yes. How do you set a pixel on a Facebook ad? So um, the pixel goes typically on a web property um, and it's, you know, so on your website, for example, and you would, through your Facebook ads account, you can, you know, there's a section um, under, um, I think it's assets, where you can essentially um, create a pixel and Facebook will give you a unique sort of little script with some unique identifiers in it. And you'll go and install that on the header of your, of your website, uh, the global header, so that it appears on all pages of your website. Um, in the code. You, in the code. Okay. In the code, as okay. Rebecca rightly Kind of like Google points. Analytics, yeah, you but can't, for Facebook. Yeah, you can't just paste it in like a WordPress blog post and then have it work. No. It, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> Good to know. Um, so you need someone like Rebecca to help you out potentially um, to, to make this happen right. And there's some other really cool stuff you can do also within the code that is much more um, uh, high-end and specific and customized. You can, there's some custom conversion actions you can do. There's sort of a basic set. And then if you want to upgrade to the, you know, the Cadillac, the, the um, what would it be like, the, the GT model, um, then you can you know, start doing the custom uh, conversion uh, type script stuff. And what will happen then is Facebook has eyes on what's going on behind the scenes on your website. And they can use that in their decision making. So they can, I, they can match people who visit your site with people who are in their system that they know are Facebook users and then start compiling them as a list. And this is nothing that you will ever have access to. So Facebook's always trying to protect, I mean, is sometimes trying to protect people's hey, privacy. <laughs> Lately, it seems less and less like they're doing that. But more uh, people, they're trying a little harder. Ostensibly, in yeah. theory, Facebook is protecting people's privacy and only they know that. They don't disclose that to you. But you can still use that information because you can then go uh, serve ads, uh, retarget ads back to those people, um, which are really important. If you think about one of the things that help us helps us customize our messaging is the time and the uh, sequence of interactions people have with us. So if you know that somebody visited your site and visited a particular page, there's some judgments you can make and some messaging you can write that is specific to them. And any time you can get into that space where you're doing customized messaging, tailored messaging, bespoke messaging, that's what you want to do because that's what people resonate. Uh, what resonates with people is when someone is speaking directly to you. And so the, the pixel also, something that I wanted to make sure to mention is that there are a lot of sort of third party tools that you can also use Facebook pixels with. So for example, um, you may be running a contest on WooBox and you may um, not have the WooBox contest embedded in your site, but you really still like to leverage, you're promoting it with Facebook. WooBox is a platform that will allow you to install the, uh, to uh, grant the Facebook uh, pixel access to your WooBox uh, account. And then you can start leveraging uh, WooBox as though it were your website and using it to inform your Facebook ad campaigns. So there's some platforms that do that. Some, it, you know, some are coming online, uh, you know, I'm sure all the time um, as the incentive grows to do that. But there are a lot of, um, you know, folks that may be tied down to uh, whether it's CRMs or content management systems. Look into that, you know, definitely ask the developers, call up the, the tech team and ask them to help out. If you can't 
edit the global headers, uh, the code of the global headers of the, the platform, they may have some other way that you can uh, implement these tracking scripts. And so you definitely, whenever you get a chance, want to ask about that. All right, any more questions that we have on the topic before we ask Derek some very probing personal questions? With our title of your presentation, Deaf to Followers and Engagement, I'd like to also add on top of that, Deaf to the Algorithm Hacks. <laughs> and I was wondering if of all those articles that say 20 algorithm hacks to make sure you're seen in organic reach, what are the top two you would say that people need to just stop doing? Well, they probably need to, if they're reading it in an article that, like that, they probably just need to stop doing it because Facebook also has access to the internet and they're also reading those things. So it's, yes. it's kind of funny because it's like <laughs> if somebody discovered an algorithm hack, the minute they mentioned it to anybody else, somebody from Facebook would know about it and they would know to correct it. You know, it's, 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 and the same thing with Google, you know, people always, uh, people always have some, you know, scheme to, to, um, outwit, uh, the page rank out or whatever they're calling it now, not, not page rank, but out with the, the, the algorithm and algorithms can be edited and updated and they, and they frequently are. So, you know, the payoff is, um, minimal and you're probably just better off devoting your time to refining your strategy and producing better creative. So just don't share it on. Yeah. One, you know, if you find one, keep, social media, keep, keep it, it a zero day exploit. Yeah. You should like, you know, keep it to yourself. Don't tell anybody and use it, which unfortunately doesn't help any of us. Right. And keep looking over your shoulder because they're going <laughs> right. to figure it out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, realize they are looking at your browsing habits and, and potentially, uh, you know, listening to you on your, on your phone. So, you know, they may already know. There's no magic diet pill and there's no. no magic way to be number one in Google or no. to have that incredible reach in social media. Sad, but Got to do the work. Rebecca, any last questions for you? I liked, you know, some of the things that Derek, well, I liked all the things that Derek said, and I feel like really geeked out here. But just talking about outcomes over the outputs, you know, I, I work with a lot of different clients in a lot of different industries. And so it's really more about, it's about the bottom line. It's not, you know, we'll send you a social media report so you can see activity and what we're working on. But we spend the time on the narrative of, here's what this means on what we're trying to do for your business. Right. So can you, I mean, share a little bit more on, sure. just reiterate what I'm saying. Yeah, you said. absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I will co-sign that uh, fully. Partially because of necessity, we have long focused on outputs uh, as opposed to outcomes. So we focused on things like page likes or engagement or clicks. And those were sort of, because we didn't have anything better, those were an adjunct to measure an actual outcome, which would be a sale or a lead or something like that. And so now we're to the point where we have the ability to measure those actual outcomes and have a, um, a measurable impact on those. Um, it's a little squidgy when you go from the digital to the sort of real world in terms of like driving in-store sales or, or that kind of thing, but there's a way to get there. And if there isn't yet, there will be at some point, somebody will, somebody will figure it out. And so you know, the, the onus is on, is on us to grow beyond what we used to do and, and you know, uh, you know, outcome outputs are okay. They're, they're good to check in on, but they're not, we didn't, we need not to confuse them for outcomes and we want to focus on outcomes as much as possible. Right. Good question. Way to thanks. take us out on it. It's all about that bottom line. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thanks again, Derek, for your time today for presenting in December and continuing to support and engage our local AMA chapter. But before we let you go, we have a few very personal questions for you. So hopefully you don't get uncomfortable. But first, who or what inspires you? 
I'm going to cheat on this answer and go with my wife, who a lot of uh, people within the earshot of this uh, podcast will know, uh, Adrienne Wallace. Uh, she is my uh, North Star. And uh, the, her work ethic, I thought I had a good work ethic, and she um, really makes me look like a slacker. So um, I, I, am, I am inspired by her work ethic, but also um, her compassion and her um, you know, the, the high standards she holds herself to. So that's something I, when I'm, when I'm thinking about my work and what I could do better, I often, uh, cite her as an example or look to her as, as a way I can do things better. I think Jessica and I can both attest to that because we would have a total like marketer crush on her too. Oh, really? I even asked her for advice <laughs> earlier today on something for a client. It's a common experience. Yeah. And then she yeah. said, ask Derek too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to need an introduction because I have not met her yet. But oh, yeah. It sounds we like can I make that happen. Out, which I find shocking because she's met just about everybody. <laughs> Crazy. What's your favorite personal development, say business or marketing related book? Um, I would say um, a perennial favorite is The Art of Client Service by Robert Solomon. Um, it's just it's sort of a timeless read. It's constantly being updated, but you could pick up the original version and virtually everything in there would be as relevant um, in a digital marketing world as it was in an analog marketing world when the book was originally written. Um, one of the things that, uh, and it flashed through my mind as Rebecca was just talking, um, he, sa he says something to the effect of one clear insight is uh, worth a thousand data points. Uh, you know, just things like that. And, and there's a real focus on relationships and um, treating clients in the context of clients, but really there are a lot of our stakeholders we could treat as clients, essentially treating people as human, uh, human beings and uh, giving the, them the respect and listening to their needs. And, um, you know, one of the other insights that along these lines that he talks about is if you get done with a, a client presentation and you and your team did all of the talking, you failed, you know, it should be about engagement. These, these kinds of things that, really transcend uh, all times and, and all eras and, and whatever type of marketing you're doing, there, there's, a, there's something for you there. When was that published, just out of curiosity? Oh, gosh. If you had to guess. No, I, I mean, probably 70s, in the 60s or 60s? 70s. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Yep. All right. Well, we'll, put, we'll definitely put a link to that in the show notes so people can check that one professor out. Professor Solomon is now deceased. I believe he passed on in 2007. He was a professor at uh, the University of uh, Texas at Austin, I think. Okay. And uh, last question for you, if you could boil it down all down to what you learned in your career, down to one piece of advice for others, what would that be? I would say, uh, at least for myself, I've learned, my, my piece of advice would be react slowly, uh, which is hard to do in an era where we're pressed uh, constantly to do things quickly. Um, sometimes it's really important to remember to react slowly, um, whether it's to feedback, whether it's to uh, breaking news, whether it's to um, uh, uh, an email or some sort of, some piece of information you received, uh, give yourself some space to think about it and think about a um, uh, an appropriate uh, next step. You know whether that's being more planful about um, a task you've been given, or whether it's being more thoughtful and empathetic in a response to say a client or a coworker. I think reacting slowly is something I, I think we can all do more of. But Facebook literally publishes how long it takes us to get back to people. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> and it says, unlock this badge if you can just get back sooner. So I guess that's a delicate. That's okay. Thing. You can just buy ads. That's a very good that. point. I'll look into that. 
There you go. At least As a redhead, that's great advice. <laughs> never heard that before. Well, thanks again, Derek. We very much appreciate you uh, joining us on the podcast. Um, coming up for West Michigan AMA in the month of February, what's next on the schedule? February is going to be about influencer marketing. Uh, so we are working on some subject matter experts from, um, I think, Michigan, but not necessarily in West Michigan, to how to use influencers who have a good reach and a good loyal following uh, to get your message out. Um, so I think there's a few events, not just AMA, coming up in February. Uh, we've got some some fun ones, too, with how to maximize your website. So it'll hit on a lot of things, not just SEO, because there's a ton more. And hopefully some new sponsors to promote, too. Awesome. All going on at the AMA. So thank you very much, Rebecca and Jessica, for joining us co-host today. We hopefully have you back on a, another podcast in the near future. I hope so. Thank awesome. you. We're online at amawestmichigan.org and active on social media, where you can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. The national hub for the American Marketing Association is ama.org, where you can also find a chapter near you. The Marketers in Motion podcast is on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and at amawestmichigan.org, where we encourage you not only to subscribe and share our podcast, but review, ask questions, get involved, and engage with us. Don't forget important links, content, and resources will be included in the show notes for this podcast. Thanks for listening to the Marketers in Motion podcast, powered by the West Michigan chapter of the American Marketing Association. What will you do with the information you learned today? Be inspired. Be creative. Be bold. Set your marketing in motion.